This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. That is Proverbs 19.20. Keep that in mind as we go through today's show. But guys, we are here in the new year. We're so glad to be here with you. We're so glad that you are here with us. But guys, start your year off right. So a lot of guys at the beginning of the year, for whatever reason, even though I kind of advocate against this, it's like, all right, new year, new me. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do that thing. So we want to try to catch you in that tidal wave and give you some of our content. So guys, if you go to our website, there's a couple of resources for you that I think will help you as you kind of kick off your 2022 in addition to this podcast. The first is our devotionals and the second is our book list. So our devotionals, we have three different devotionals that we put out. One's kind of focused on our philosophy on manhood. One's about kind of building a group of guys around you that we call a foxhole. One's about marriage. Those are great resources to take in here at the beginning part of the year because the marriage one's only five days. I think the the foxhole one's seven days and the other manhood one is 21 days. And so you can break those things down. You can kind of burn through them all. You can share them with friends. You can go through them with friends. You can go through them with your men's group. Those are great resources. So you go to undaunted.life backslash devotionals. That will be in the show notes and also our book list. So on our website, we have a book list. That's the 100 books every modern Christian man should read list. Okay, so I've compiled this list over years and years, and this is a living list. So we are constantly putting books on and taking books off. As I read new books every single year, I will kind of like coalesce them into this uh, into this list and kind of move it in there. There's a bunch of different categories. There's categories on business, on apologetics, on you know leadership, on you know whatever. Like there, there's so many great categories. So if you're not a reader which most guys are not, there's no excuse for for being a non-reader. There really isn't, especially as an adult, right? But this is a great place to start because a lot of guys will just kind of, you know, look up, look up at the sky like, oh gosh, I wish there were some books out there that I knew were really good. And here's the deal. I gave it to you. I gave you a hundred. And I've got some really awesome guys right now that are updating me that say, look, I'm working my way through the hundred books list right now. So these are dudes that are trying to read every single one of those books. And I kind of feel bad for them because we're putting books on and taking books off, but it doesn't matter. Read books this year, and that's a great way to get it done. We've given you the book list. But guys, for today's episode, back by popular demand, okay, I am resurrecting the Ways to Avoid Being a Crappy Man series, okay? So if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, back on episode 56, We're at like, what, 270-something, 271? On episode 56, that was in 2019, I did Ways to Avoid Being a Crappy Man in 2019. And then I did the same thing at the beginning of 2020. That was episode 112. And then I skipped it in 2021 for some reason. I, I really don't know exactly why. I don't know if it was just because I was completely exhausted from 2020 and all the news cycles and all the changes and all the this and all the that and having a son and, you know, you know, raising our first child and all that type of thing. I really can't explain it, but I didn't do one for 2021. But the reason why I put those together is because I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that are getting really, really bad advice on manhood, on how to operate in the world, on you know what they should do, what they should not do. And I wanted to be like, okay, I want to bring together this wisdom, none of which I've thought up myself. I've just kind of brought it together from a myriad of other sources over you know thousands of years of wisdom, right? And kind of bring it into a list to make it more tangible, to make it more digestible, something that you can actually like grasp and take with you. Because again, if it's like, hey, here's this book, right? It's 300 pages and you're going to get one thing out of it that you remember. That's valuable. Yeah, it does have value, but it's harder to kind of wrap yourself around. It's harder to kind of base your life out of it. But I will tell you, I've had guys that have used the things that I did on episode 56 and 112, and they'll they'll type up the the ways to avoid being a crappy man for that year. They'll put them on their mirror, like, you know, where they get ready in the morning, or they'll print it out and put it in their truck. They'll look at it from time to time. It's just a reminder, okay? These, these are just reminders of things that you can do to avoid being a crappy man. Now, for this year's list, one thing that I did since I've actually had, you know, I guess technically two years to think about it since the last time I did this is... I looked at some of the ones that I did back in 2019 and 2020, and some of those are going to make it on the list this time because it's going to be super applicable no matter what year we're going into. But then I had some others that, you know, over the last several weeks, as I would think of something, I would just put it in my notes on my phone because it's like, this is age old wisdom. 
that may come up as I'm experiencing a situation or reading a news story or something like that to where it's like, okay, this is something that we need to do. So those are the ways that you can apply this. So don't just listen to this episode. Really think about the things on this list that you can apply because I just got to be honest with you. I don't really know guys that are absolutely perfect in all these areas. I think I came up with 14 or 15 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2022. Again, most guys are not crushing it in all of them. I guarantee you there's going to be at least one of these things that is a major issue for you that you can work on in 2022. But for a lot of you guys, you're way better than that. You're going to really try to crack at this list and make sure that you can knock these things out. And again, these aren't just my preferences. This is age old wisdom that if you want to avoid being a crappy man, here's the things that you're going to do. So I'm going to present these in no particular order, right? So these aren't going to crescendo at the end on something special and, you know, all those different things. I didn't look at them in a certain way. I basically am presenting them to you in the way that I thought of them, right? So as I thought of them in this particular order, boom, I'm going to present them to you. So here we go. Without further ado, I present to you how to avoid being a crappy man in 2022. And the first thing, guys, I know, I know that we're really low key here at Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. We like to just kind of ease into things, right? We, we don't really like to hit you in the face too hard from the very, very beginning. So here's the first thing. Stop looking at porn and jerking off. Can he say that? Yep. Yep. He can. And he just did. Okay. I know a lot of you guys listening to this podcast, look at porn. And most people, I would say almost 100% of them look at porn in order to serve them in a way that helps them masturbate and helps them, you know, release. We'll say that in case there are any kids or ears listening still at this point. But the thing is, is porn is one of the most pervasive things in our culture inside and outside the church. I, I don't think there's any lower number of men inside the church that, that don't look at porn versus, you know, men outside the church, right? Or look at porn rather. And the thing about it is what you're not understanding with porn is that it's not innocent. See, you've been kind of, you know, massaged by culture in a way to where it's like, ah, you know what? I, I'm just looking, right? It doesn't matter where you get your appetite as long as you eat at home, right? Oh, my, my wife's never going to figure it out. Or, you know, my kids are never going to go through my phone and see any of this. It's just me. It's just the things that I'm doing. You know, this isn't hurting anyone. But as you've heard from a lot of people before, pornography is a feeder system for human trafficking. A lot of the women and men that are parts of pornography or on pornography that you are using to masturbate to, these are people that are stuck. There are a lot of people that are doing this and it's a choice and they can get out anytime they want, but there are a lot of people that are stuck. And the only reason why people are still doing this is because there is a market. So every time you click on that video, every time you buy that link, every time you download that video, whatever it is, somebody's tracking that. And if you're, if you're just a straight up business person, it's like, that's another click. That's more money in my pocket, right? But then let's get on to kind of the masturbation part of things. I know for a lot of guys, um, this is just kind of a thing. They're like, well, I, I have to release somehow. So this is how I'm going to release. And then you look at porn in order to do that. But what you're doing, and you know, uh, we've had some guys on this podcast that talked about, about this and kind of how it rewires your brain. So John Fobert, I can't remember the number of the episode, but just go search through our episodes for John Fobert, F-O-U-B-E-R-T. But you're rewiring the pleasure centers of your brain. That's why we have kids in their 20s that are unable to get an erection because they've been looking at porn since they were seven years old. And now when they're with an actual warm-bodied woman, they can't get an erection because they're not sitting at their computer with their pants at their ankles. It's just different. They, they, they can't fathom because their brain is now like, okay, the way I get that dopamine hit is by clicking on this video and then clicking on that video and clicking on the more extreme video. And now we're going to talk about rape porn. And now we're going to talk about violence porn and all those different things, right? The thing is, this is the year to stop. A lot of guys kind of lament like, oh man, what am I going to do? I, I keep looking at porn and I just can't get around. Just stop looking at porn. I have guys ask me, man, I, I have a problem with porn and masturbation. How do, I, how do I stop? You stop by stopping. Like you, you have guys that are selling these, these workbooks, you know, uh, for 30 bucks. And it's like, hey, here's your step-by-step -step thing about how you, how you get off porn. It's like, stop looking at porn. Because think about it. If you don't look at porn anymore, it may affect your ability to masturbate. Or, or look at it the, the backwards way. Stop masturbating and you have no need to look at porn anymore. Well, I shouldn't just have to white knuckle it. It should be some sort of a thing that takes over my brain. No, it doesn't. 
For some guys, they can pray and be delivered from any type of uh, you know, lustful temptation. That's not how it is for me. I spent a lot of time in my formative years looking at pornography and masturbating, but it's just not something that I do now. It's a decision that I've already made. So if I'm home alone or if I'm out on the road or any of those types of things, the decision has already been made. Kyle Thompson does not look at porn and Kyle Thompson does not masturbate, right? I know this is a really heavy place to start, but guys, if you want to avoid being a crappy man, if you want to avoid a lot of pain and hardship, stop looking at porn and jerking off. All right, next one here. Absorb lots of content. Absorb lots of content. Okay. So I tell you guys all the time about the amount of books that I read, the amount of podcasts I listen to. I think in, in 2021, I read right at 45 books. It was 44 or 45. I forget where I absolutely ended up, but I listened to over a thousand podcast episodes. I mean, on a daily basis, I might listen to a dozen podcast episodes. Some of those are, you know, 10 minutes long. Some of those are three hours long or more, but I'm absorbing content all the time. And you can do the same. So a lot of guys, I know you're busy, you've got your business, you've got your family, you've got, you know, your side hustles, you've got all these different things, but you are able to absorb content, especially in the world we live in now, because you have a supercomputer in your pocket that allows you to access all your books. It allows you to access audiobooks, to access YouTube videos, to access, you know, all these things that help develop your brain. Now, I'm not saying don't, you know, absorb entertainment. Yeah, you can look at some funny dog videos and, you know, watch some movies and all that. Like, that's, that's no big deal. But absorb content that is helping to shape your mind in a positive way. So that can be, you know, Christianity type content. That could be documentary, uh, you know, documentarian, you know, documentary type uh, podcast content or otherwise, like there's a lot of things that you can take in. But the reason why I'm saying do that is because a lot of guys are caught flat footed. A lot of guys are caught flat footed. You know, I talked about this when it came to what was going on at the local school boards and things like that. You have these men that are so fired up. They're mad about this thing called, you know, critical race theory, but they have no idea where it comes from because they've never read the communist manifesto. They've never heard, you know, a conservative voice break down the ideology that comes from the Frankfurt School. They, they've never heard about critical theory and how it gave way to all these other theories. They, they don't, they've never read about the philosophies that undergird what Karl Marx even came up with. I'm just using this as an example. But it's because they're not, a, they're not absorbing content themselves. They're, they're just kind of going through life, right? The, the only content they're absorbing is, you know, fancy uh, football statistics or, you know, rankings or something like that, or, you know, who their, their college, you know, what 14 year old has signed to play for their college, you know, six years from now or something like that. That's all the, the content they're absorbing. It's not useful content. When you're trying to lead your family, when you're trying to be a great family shepherd, that's not helping you in any way, shape or form. Okay. But you can absorb a tremendous amount of content, especially in our modern context. Again, listen to as many podcasts as you can. Listen to them in the car. Listen to them while you're mowing the lawn. Listen to them while you're doing stuff around the house when no one's around you, right? You've got the ability to do so. Buy earbuds, you know, get the, get the aux cord for the truck, whatever you need to do. Absorb lots of content in 2022. All right, the next way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022 is don't be late. Don't be late. One of the most annoying things and one of the most hurtful things that people can do on a day-in, day-out basis that people do all the time and feel no pressure to, to do otherwise is that they're late. They're just, they'll categorize it as, oh, you know, I'm just kind of a late person or, you know, I'm from a, a different culture and so time is just kind of relative and blah, blah, blah. Well, see, you're from the West and, and you're more type A, so I understand why you're on time, but I don't really need to be on time. But what you communicate to people when you're late, because if you're late to something that only you, like you intended to be out in the field cutting wood at, you know, 930 in the morning and you show up at 945, no big deal. No one was waiting on you to pick up the ax and get after it, right? But if you're showing up to a business meeting or you're showing up to a church, you know, uh, meeting, a prayer meeting, or if you're showing up to, to some sort of a practice or something like that and you're late, what you're communicating to the people there is that your time is more important than their time that your standards are more important than their standards, that you have to wait because they're more important than you. It's so unbelievably rude. And then you get these people, and this is kind of a cultural thing wherever you're at, to where it's like, oh, they're, they're just a late person. That's just who they are. But the thing is, is that's just not true at all. Because I know people in my life that are late all the time, and it drives me nuts. But you know what they're not late for? Things that they find to be important. 
So think about, let's, let's say you're in sales, right? And let's say you sell, you know, widgets, what, whatever a widget would be. And let's say you're a late person. Every time, you, you know, you're supposed to meet someone to, to, to go watch some fights or meet somebody to, to do some sort of a, a meeting or something like that, you're always late. No matter what, you're 5, 10, 20 minutes late, whatever the situation is. But you can sell a bunch of widgets to this person and it's a lay down sale, right? It's the easiest sell that you could possibly get. All you have to do is show up. And let's say that meeting is at two o'clock in the afternoon. What do you want to bet that that person is there, not just on time, but early? Because they can close the deal. They can make a five-figure commission by just showing up on time. I bet you they show up on time. I know people that are teachers that are in every other social setting in their life. They're late. They're late. People are waiting on them. Oh, where's this person? Where's that person? You know, why aren't they here yet? But they're never late to class. So for first hour when the bell rings, they're not, you know, stumbling in with their coffee in their book bag or whatever the situation is. They're there on time. Shocking. It's like it's a miracle. Again, people are late by choice. Because guys, in a year, you should be able to count on one hand the number of times that you're late where people had to wait on you. Because you know what? Life happens, right? You get a flat tire. You get pulled over. You know, your, your kid pukes on your way out the door and you've got to clean it up and you've got to get them new clothes on and all. I understand that. And guess what? If somebody is late to a meeting with me or with a group that I happen to be in and one of those things actually happened, I, of course, have grace for that person. Life happened. No big deal. But the overwhelming majority of the time, people just didn't plan. You know, where they needed to be is 15 minutes away, but they left five minutes before the meeting was supposed to start. At the very least, they're going to be 10 minutes late, okay? It's very, very rude to be late all the time. It makes no sense, and it doesn't change much of your life to plan a little bit ahead because you were going to be there anyway to start the clock a little bit earlier. Guys, in 2022, don't be late. All right, next one here. Don't let sports ruin your night. Don't let sports ruin your night. So guys, I love sports. I love competition. If, if you were looking over my shoulder when I'm in the living room and everybody else is gone, you might catch me watching curling or cornhole or something. I'm watching competition. I love competition. I love competing myself. It's a big deal, right? But I have spent a large part of my life, the, the overwhelming majority of my life, letting sports control how I feel. Letting the outcome of a game of which I did not participate in absorb me. To, to marinate my life and affect how I treat people. The, those closest to me, those just tangentially around me because my team didn't win. The fighter I wanted to win didn't win. The, the, the team I wanted to get into the playoff didn't get into the playoff, right? I've let sports ruin untold numbers of nights. And by, you know, by virtue of just being around me, I've ruined other people's nights because I just couldn't get past the fact that my team, the thing I wanted to have happen that I had nothing to do with didn't happen. Don't let that happen this year. What I'm not saying is don't watch sports. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is, you know, don't rah, rah and root for your team. That's not what I'm saying either. But when you get so wrapped up in the ability to cheer for the team that's on the winning side, so much so that you can't automatically just go, oh man, that really stinks. Snap your fingers and move on. That is a massive problem, right? And guys, I know if your favorite team that's never been to the Super Bowl goes to the Super Bowl and they lose, that really, really sucks. I know that if your team that hasn't been in the World Series in a while gets to the World Series and they crap the bed, man, that, that really stinks. You, know, you put a lot of time and effort into studying this fighter and he's your favorite fighter and he hasn't lost in years and then all of a sudden he gets choked out. Yeah, man, that, that really stinks. But you should be able to shake your head and five or 10 seconds later, move on with your life. Don't kick the dog. Don't treat your wife poorly. Don't treat your kids poorly. Don't ignore people because you're in the corner brooding, especially guys that are into collegiate athletics, of which I am one. But you have these guys that, that root for these schools. Most of the time, they didn't even go to these schools, right? But they're rooting for some university that they love for whatever reason. Maybe their grandpa liked it, or maybe they just picked it up when they were a kid or something like that. And these 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids, these children, right, that they make mistakes. And then all of a sudden, you as a mid-30s or mid-50s, whatever, man, you're losing your mind. You're throwing things. You're cursing. 
because some kid playing a game hundreds of miles away from you didn't do the thing that you thought they should have done or that you probably nefariously think that you could have done, right? Sports is awesome. Sports is a lot of fun. It is amazing when your team or when your fighter or when the person that you're rooting for is, is doing the right thing and they win. It is such a great feeling. But for me, guys, I've missed out on a lot of those positive emotions because I have yet to really completely control myself in those moments where sports is absolutely dominating me personally, right? So I can feel that when I start watching because, you know, I like St. Louis Cardinals baseball. I like certain fighters. You know, I'm trying to be a Bruins fan and I can feel those little tendrils of anger, anger like kind of cropping up like, oh my gosh, why didn't he throw that ball to the right base? Why did he make that mistake? Oh my gosh, why did he take that pitch? Why did he put himself in this bad situation? And then I just got to turn it off. And I got to tell you guys, for the last several years, right, I've stopped watching certain sports or start, stopped watching certain games. Like I'm not watching playoff games for teams that I really, really like. And my quality of life has improved so, so very much. You would think, oh, you're, you're ruining all these opportunities to, to have these positive, you know, interactions with your team and with other fans and all that, perhaps. But my quality of life and my spouse's quality of life has improved tremendously because I'm no longer letting sports ruin my night. So you should do the same in 2022. All right, guys, the next way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022 is to seek wisdom over knowledge. Seek wisdom over knowledge. Now, for any of you astute listeners, you might go back to whenever I was talking about how you should absorb lots of content, right? Because when you absorb lots of content, that gives you what? It gives you knowledge. Because when you know about all these things that are happening around you or things happening in the world or things happen in history or whatever, you're gaining knowledge from those things. But knowledge is not nearly as valuable and usable as wisdom. Because just think, think about it. Let's say you're like, you know, a Jeopardy champion, trivia champion type person. You have all this useless information just, you know, plinking around in your brain and you can just recall it, you know, at a moment's notice, right? That's not a negative thing. That, that, that's not a net negative. That's probably a net positive for you because you know so many things. But what if you don't know how to use that information? So just, just think about it for last year. Read, you know, a few dozen books. But let's say I couldn't put those books together in a proper context and present them to you in a way that you would be able to use that information to better your personal life. Or, or let's say there's no podcast, there's no mic in front of my face. Let's say it's just me, right? If, if I'm just reading that stuff, just to, you know, pass the time and to kind of, you know, whatever. But I'm not applying that in any type of a wisdom-filled way. Isn't that an issue? And, and so many guys are seeking knowledge. They want to know things so that they can be right, right? You see this in all kinds of different circles, whether it's political or theological or otherwise. These guys just want to be right. They want to be right, right, right. That, that's all they really want to focus on is being right. But the ability to apply wisdom to a situation is so much more valuable. And, and I'm trying to think of an example as I stand here, but imagine like your, your teenage son is asking you if you can help them with a situation with a girl. Now, if you're just pulling out quotes from, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus or from this, this random, you know, book about love languages or something like that. And it's not that those things aren't valuable. You're pulling out knowledge, but you're not teaching your son how to apply wisdom to a situation. You're not teaching your son to pull back from the situation right? That they're, they're on the ground level with pull back up to 30,000 foot view, view their situation, you know, uh, neutrally and make a call, make a judgment, uh, make, make a new action or something like that. And it's because their focus is on knowledge, not wisdom. So especially with the things that are going on in, in the world and all the craziness that we seem to get, knowledge is not nearly as important as wisdom. So in 2022, seek wisdom over knowledge. All right, guys, the next one here is somewhat attached to the one that I just got through talking about, but it's seek truth over narrative. Seek truth over narrative. So I, I just thought of this as I was saying this because I'm just flowing with all this. You should see my notes. It is paltry. It's like one page, and I'm just kind of flowing with the rest of the information. So I just got an email from this guy who found my podcast and found the stuff that we've done because he was looking into Mars Hill and, and that Christianity Today podcast about the fall, the rise and fall of Mars Hill and all those different things. And so some people are, that are you know searching that end up finding me. Like I, I don't really know why, but he sends me this long, very well thought out email about you know how I how I basically am giving short shrift to the difference between gender and sex and you know how he has a different view on that and blah 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 and all these different things. But this is a guy. That, you know, I'm, I'm making some broad, you know, base judgments here, painting with a broad, broad brush. 
This is a guy that wants narrative to be true as opposed to truth being true. And you've heard me talk about this, you know, all the time within this podcast where there are certain news stories that are dominating the headlines and dominate for months and months, if not years. Think of George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. And then you have other news stories that are seemingly worse in terms of the human toll that basically follow the headlines almost immediately. I think about the Waukesha massacre where the guy drove his SUV through a parade with the intent of killing people, which he did. He killed six people, right? But we don't hear about that guy anymore. And we're still, we're still hearing about George Floyd. We're, we're hearing about these, these statues of George Floyd that are going up. And, you know, what's next for Derek Chauvin, right? Why is that? It's because of narrative. There is a narrative that needs to be put out there. And narrative is super dangerous. And guys, this isn't just a problem on the left. It really is a, a pervasive problem on the left. But this happens on the political right as well. Yeah, people, you know, you heard me talk with Holly McKay, where they will sensationalize stories about what's going on in Afghanistan because it serves to get them clicks or to get them viewers, right? The situation's bad enough. Just describe what's going on on the ground. You don't have to make stuff up. You don't have to put things through a prism in order for them to look a certain way so that your audience gets a, a, a bigger dose of what you were trying to give them, right? But in our postmodern culture that we live in, truth is relative. But in reality, Truth is just truth, right? This is either a pin or it's not. For those of you not you know, watching this right now on YouTube, I'm, I'm waving a pin in front of the camera. So I'm either waving a pin in front of the camera or I'm not. I either just dropped the pin on the table or I didn't. There's no narrative. There's only truth. And the reason why I think this is so important, and it's not just me that thinks this way, the reason why this is so important is because if you can take away truth, you can take away Jesus. I know that I, that might seem like a stretch for some of you guys, but again, people that don't have a Christian faith, they don't have a Christian worldview, you have to take everything back to the moment of the resurrection. Because what these people will try to do is say, hey man, we don't even know if Jesus existed. We don't even know if Jesus was a real person, right? That was like 2,000 years ago. You think we can tell if somebody was real? There was no video cameras back then. You know, there wasn't as many people writing you know, stories about it. How can we know this guy even existed? Oh, you know what? This guy existed, but you know, uh, how do we know that he was even actually killed on the cross? Right? I mean, Romans were, you know, batting a thousand for, you know, killing people on by, via crucifixion. But how do we know that this guy wasn't one of the people that got out? How do we know that the swoon theory isn't true? How do we know that he didn't just fall asleep on the cross, was taken down and magically three days later was completely healed except for a couple of holes in his hands? Right? How can we know that? You're attacking truth. Because a lot of people, they get to this point where they feel cornered. And I've had these conversations with people where I'm attacking their worldview because their worldview is bankrupt. And I'm trying to back them in to understanding the truth of the gospel. But this is a person that doesn't want truth to be truth. This is a person that wants to accept a narrative about truth. This is a person that wants to accept a, a certain, some certain structures and certain key points for their worldview. But that is a massive, massive problem. And guys, it, it's pervasive even in us. Because there are times, however you're aligned politically, however you're aligned theologically or whatever church you've decided to go to, you kind of pull yourself towards that narrative. That narrative seems more and more important and more and more beneficial to you, and you're not really seeking truth for yourself. And we'll get more into that here in a little bit. But guys, really, the, the big deal that you should focus on in 2022 is fight against that postmodern idea that you should focus on narrative, and instead you should seek truth. All right, the next one here. If you suck at persuasion, fix it. Now, guys, I have been given a little bit of a natural ability in the, in the area of persuasion, right? There are people that are just born tough. There are people that are just born smart. There are people that are just born athletic. And then there are people that are just born persuasive. And that is something that some of you listening to this podcast have. <clears throat> but I would say the overwhelming majority of people don't have this natural persuasive ability inside their personality right? Maybe they're a little bit more introverted. Maybe they just don't think as quickly on their feet, whatever the situation is. But guys, in the world that we're inheriting right now, persuasion is one of the most important things that you can have in your arsenal. Just think about it. Just make up a context, right? So you're trying to convince someone to vote for this candidate versus that candidate. How do you do that? By persuasion. If you're wanting somebody to make this life change, they're doing this thing that is, is harmful or detrimental to their life, and you're wanting them to veer off that path and go on a better path, how do you convince them to do that? Persuasion. If you're talking to somebody 
through uh, some of the harder parts of the Bible, and you're trying to explain to them how this is okay, this is something that you can believe in, this is why, here are some of the, you know, theories around this, here are some of the ways that we think about this. How do you help that person get to a place where they understand? Persuasion. So I'm just flabbergasted at the amount of people that want to get on Twitter or get on Facebook or, you know, go stand on a street corner, hold up a sign, and just scream their opinion. This is what I think is right. You're stupid because you think this way, and I think this way, so I'm right. I'm so cool. Look at me. Look how smart I am. Who are you changing with that, buddy? Uh, Whose mind are you molding at that point? Because I just don't think you understand what you're doing. Now, I think some of those things are beneficial, posting online, but I have people ask me all the time, you know, someone will post a comment on an Instagram post or on a Facebook post, and it'll be negative and nasty and questioning my entire worldview. And then I'll get a message, a, a direct message from somebody saying, hey man, why aren't you owning this person? Why aren't you just like throwing down with them or whatever? And I was like, because I can't persuade them on social media. That, like the amount of time and effort I would have to put into lovingly moving this person in the right direction and changing their point of view is simply not worth it. Like, I don't have that amount of time to go back and forth with someone on Twitter over three or four days. It's just, it's just not something that I can do. But for most of us, we live in a context where we have people that are in a room with us or in a truck with us or, you know, in a church with us, in a, in a small group with us, and you have the ability to persuade them if you would just learn how to, right? And there, there's plenty of resources out there, and I, I don't necessarily want to give you ones because I don't want to teach you in, in, you know, my way of persuasion or whatever, but just do a little bit of research on how to persuade people, right? You know, I guess you could read The 48 Laws of Power, right? That, that is a very, very secular book by Robert Greene, but it's one of my favorite books ever because one of the things you're learning is how that you can, you can move and mold people to do things. The reason why I think it's such an amazing book is because you can use some of those things for evil or you can use some of those things for good some of those ways of persuading people. But guys, if you want to make change in your community, if you want to make change in the immediacy of your life, if you suck at persuasion, you need to fix it. All right, guys, the next way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022, and this one's pretty simple, get some sleep. Bro, get some sleep. I just got to tell you, I am so annoyed with these Instagram entrepreneurs that say, hey, are you sleeping more than five hours per night? Well, somebody else is up and they're grinding, baby, right? Or, you know, you got Jocko Willing. He goes to sleep at midnight and he wakes up at 4.30 and he's getting up and he's getting some and he's getting after it. And I get it. It's cool. I like the, the 4.30 watch posts on Instagram. I think they're neat. But that is not reflective of a healthy life for the overwhelming majority of the population. So these dork CEOs that are like, yeah, I sleep three hours a night. And then I just get after it for the other 21 hours, baby. Right. I'm just stacking money, getting cars, whatever, whatever. That might work for them. But they are a prime candidate for burnout. Because, guys, there's a reality here to getting sleep. And again, I know I know I'm poking fun at guys like Jocko. There are people out there that genetically have the ability to get more recovery in less amount of time with sleep. They, they quote unquote sleep faster. I know that's a real phenomenon, a biologically backed genetical uh, or genetic phenomenon. Is genetical a word? Don't worry about it. But that's the thing. Most of us need sleep. We need that time to recover. And if you live in a household with other people, you need to help them get the same amount of sleep. You need to help them get a healthy amount of sleep. Everybody can become slothful and sleep too much. But here's a good, for instance, last or yesterday, I'll look at yesterday. Normally on Tuesdays, I do deadlift and pull-ups in the morning. It's probably the hardest lifting workout that I do throughout my week. And then I also do jujitsu in the evenings. And so it's an hour and a half of drilling hard rounds. There's not an easy round in the room. It's just a brutal, brutal class. So the next day, for the most part, I get more sleep than I would get on a normal night because of the amount of output that I gave the day before. You need to have the ability to get more recovery. And most guys ignore that entirely. They, you know, they maybe have their diet dialed in. They maybe have uh, you know, their workout regimen dialed in. You know, they're really getting after it. But th- this amazing ability to rest and recover is one of the best things that you can do. It's better than a massage. It's better than a cold tub. It's better than that little you know, muscle thumper thing that you, brrr, you, know, but, you know, blow up your muscles with that after a workout. I get it. But sleep is one of those things that you guys just have to get, and most guys don't focus on it. Right? I'm not a napper because I can't just fall asleep. It takes me a half hour to fall asleep, right, for the most part. But if you are not getting sleep, 
It is not doing you any benefit. Stop listening to these idiots on Instagram that are, they're not doctors. Uh, you know, they're not scientists. They're not any of these people. They don't know anything about sleep science telling you that you just need to get up and grind. You need to sleep. You need rest. You need recovery. So guys in 2022, get some sleep. All right, next one here. Red line at least once a week. This is a new one. And guys, th this is, this is a really, really important one. This may even attach to the one before it. What I mean by red line is while you're working out. So I'm assuming in this one that you're working out. Because if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time and you're just a couch potato, I don't know what else I can do to convince you that that's not the way that you should be acting, you know, for your own physical health, but also to serve and, and to, you know, honor a, a glorious and judgmental father, right? You know, a heavenly father. But when I say red line, I, I mean at least once a week, you need to go to the point where you feel like you've got nothing left in the tank. So whether you're rolling in jujitsu, whether you're doing, you know, boxing rounds, whether you're running sprints, whether you're running distance, you know, this typically works out. I don't really like redlining in the context of lifting weights because that's kind of the CrossFit thing that leads to a lot of injuries where it's like, all right, you got two minutes to do as many, you know, deadlifts of 225 as possible. That's not how deadlifts are supposed to be done. That is so stupid, right? You're not trying to get as many reps as possible of these Olympic lifts. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Stop it, CrossFit people. Stop it. It's not helping people. But if you're doing these different workouts, pulling a sandbag, farmer's carry, whatever, red line, red line. Go to that point where you're like, I had nothing left in the tank. I could not have gone another step. And guys, focus on doing that at least once a week. Because what you will see is that your red line will move further away from you. So let's just use sprinting as a context, right? So let's say, because uh, one, one sprint workout that I do, it's kind of a warm up and then my, my workout. So I run six 40-yard sprints. I run four 20-yard sprints, four 10-yard sprints, and then I run 10 100-yard sprints. And the gap in between the 100-yard sprints is a 30-second rest. That's all the rest I get, okay? But on my last rep, okay? So, so this is my last hundred. What I typically do is I typically stretch it out to like 140, 150. And my thing is, is I'm trying to go completely balls out the whole time. Because when you run sprints, you know, it's hard at the very beginning because you're trying to get things up. But then around the 30, 40, 50 yard mark, you're just kind of, you know, going through the motions, you know, just one step in front of the other type of a thing. And then maybe you turn it up at the end as you're getting towards the finish line, as it were. But I try to really go balls out the entire time from the time I go, right? But I'm redlining in those moments. And what I'm doing is on the subsequent weeks when I do that workout, I'll push my distance out a little bit further, right? If I noticed last week that I kind of mentally, if I was being honest with myself, take, took a little bit of a, a physical break, right? You know, in the middle of the, the, the sprint, I wasn't sprinting as hard as I could. I'll make sure that I don't do that this time, that I'm really focusing on that part of the sprint that I don't actually wear down in that particular context. But guys, I'm telling you, Figure out ways to redline at least once a week. It's going to be great for your cardio. Your redline is going to be different than other people's redline, and that's okay. You're at where you're at physically, but that's one way to know where you're at physically. So I remember about a year ago, uh, yeah, it was about a year ago, we did 100 burpees uh, in our uh, fight club, in our foxhole workout, and it was 100 burpees for time. And so it was go as hard as you possibly can to get as many burpees done as possible. No breaks, no big breaths at the top. Just go, go, go one rep after another. And I did 100 burpees in four minutes and 59 seconds. My goal was five minutes. And I, I mean, literally barely got under it. And then I got up and I was going to go for a walk to kind of cool down. Didn't have the ability to go for a walk. I literally sat right back down, went back flat on my back and just tried to breathe. I completely redlined. And it was amazing. And I've subsequently done that. I'll redline at jujitsu. I'll do another round and another round and another round. And it's just like, man, I, I couldn't fathom doing another round. It's going to be so good for you overall physically. Now, the one caveat I would say is, guys, if you have heart issues or if you have any other health issues that would maybe make redlining a very, very dangerous thing, I would say listen to your doctor. But otherwise, for the overwhelming majority of you that are safe and healthy and can do those things, push yourself. Redline at least once a week. All right, guys, the next one here is give the person in front of you your full attention. Give the person in front of you your full attention. So one thing that I noticed, you know, back in the day when I was doing, you know, different types of jobs and everything like that, I would have meetings all the time. So coffee shops, you know, come to come by my office. Hey, you come by my office and you're sitting with people and you're doing business over 45 minutes, hour and a half, whatever the situation is. And it was astonishing to me the number of people 
that would look at their phones, uh, you know, look at their, their Apple watches anytime they got a ding or a buzz. It's like, brother, and, and I, I called some people out in meetings because after they do it about three or four times, I'm like, hey, do you need to go? Is there, is there something you need to do? Is there an emergency that you need to tend to? And 100 times out of 100, no. The answer is no. There's not somebody on their deathbed. You know, their kid didn't just fall off a cliff. They're just sucked into what's going on on the phone. They're sucked into that little dopamine hit to see what happened. You know, they're sucked into the world of FOMO. They're wondering, is this the text I've been waiting for my entire life? I should probably check it, right? It is so unbelievably rude when you do that. Because when you're sitting in front of a person or when you're talking to somebody and you're maybe looking around at other people, like if you've ever been like in a social setting or something like that, and you got the person that's talking to you and they're looking around for the other person that they maybe want to talk to, just walk away, let them do it. I remember when I was invited into this, uh, this, it was a real estate company and I was invited in to give them some sales training, like some, you know, um, some questioning strategies and things like that. And there was a guy that was, oh gosh, looking at his watch and looking at his phone, doing all these things. And right in the middle of us doing the training, I just kind of turned to this guy and I go, buddy, if you need to go, you can go. If this is of no value to you, like that's fine, but you're being rude to everyone else in here that is perceiving you as not being interested and not giving this your full attention. You're not going to offend me one bit. Get out of here. Go do something else that you find is important and pertinent for your life. Go, go, just get out of here. I don't care. But if you're sitting in front of somebody, guys, give that person your full attention. Turn your phone on silent and put it in your bag. Set it on the table face down, right? Take your watch off for the love of God. How many of you actually need that Apple watch? How many of you need the ding to be on your wrist when it already dinged in your pocket? Who needs that? Like for, for the one of you that needs it to, you know, get your heart rate for whatever reason or to, you know, track your sleep, the rest of you are doing it just so you can more quickly get to the notification. I don't get it. I don't understand it. You need to give the people in front of you your absolute full attention. They deserve it. And you would want the same. It's so funny to me when people, you know, when they are really interested in the conversation or the business meeting or something like that, and the other person is looking at their phone or looking at their computer and you can tell they're looking at their email or whatever, and then they get offended. It's like, brother, you do that all the time in meetings that you don't find very important. But if somebody is giving you their time, the only thing they can't get back in this world, they can get back money, they can get back jobs, they can get back prestige, they can't get back their time. If someone's in front of you giving their time to you, give them your full attention. They deserve it. All right, guys, the next way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022 is relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. <laughs> Seriously, relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. So I think it was back in 2019, I said something along the lines of, you know, don't pretend to know something that you, that you don't know or something like that. But that is a really big problem for dudes is we will pretend that we know what we're talking about. So maybe everyone's around and maybe you, you haven't really shot very much in your life and everyone's kind of loading up their magazines and, you know, getting everything ready. We're going to the range or we're at the range or we're getting everything squared away. And here you are and you're, you don't know what's happening. You don't know the difference between an upper and a lower on an AR. You don't know what AR stands for. It, you really don't know uh, the caliber of the weapon you're using. You don't know the proper way to hold the gun or the firearm. Like it's a problem for you. Why wouldn't you just ask someone for help? Relish the opportunity because you're giving someone else the opportunity to help you understand something that you don't know. How do you think they got to the point where they would be able to do these things that you don't know how to do? Someone else showed them or they figured it out. They were an idiot about a particular thing. And then over time and with training and with focus, they became less of an idiot in that area. And that applies to everything growing a business, starting a business, doing a podcast reading a book, building a table, working on electrical stuff at the house. And I just got to tell you guys, and I tell you this all the time because, you know, I, I check a lot of the typical man boxes, right? So if you think of cultural manhood, you know, I eat meat, I like to fight, I, I like drinking whiskey, smoking cigars, driving four-wheel drive trucks, like that kind of thing. But one thing I'm not is very handy. A lot of times when there's kind of a big project, a uh, construction project, I want to be the guy that's fetching, uh, you know, the concrete or, or moving the heavy thing or whatever, like the idiot work, the, the, the dumb guy work. Like if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough kind of a thing. That's where I normally work the best at. So I really struggle with fixing things, right? When I look at something, like some people can look at a pile of wood and see a coffee table, right? 
I look at a pile of wood and I go, what's that pile of wood doing here? Right? That's just how some people's brains work. They can think through the tools that they have and the skill sets they have to make something out of nothing. But I do that in a different way. Because that guy that can look at a pile of wood and see a coffee table, could he look at a stack of books and see how to make a 30-minute presentation? Because that's something that I'm good at. That's something that I do. Every week on this podcast, I take all this information and I try to put it together in a narrative for you. That's my skill set. It's not their skill set. But in the world of mandom, I guess, their skill set is considered more valuable. And that's totally fine. So in a situation when I need to build a coffee table, I need to talk to that guy. I need to not pretend like I know what's happening, what all the tools do and what they're called. And I just need to say, hey, man, I need some help here. And if he needed to do a presentation, something that's outside of his wheelhouse, I would expect him to come to me and ask for help. And I can help him through that situation. And the way this all kind of trickles down is for your sons, and I guess for your daughters as well, but I'm looking mainly at sons that you're trying to usher into manhood. Isn't it an awesome thing when your son can see daddy, who's the strongest guy they know and the, and the most brave guy they know and the smartest guy and the, and the best guy that they know, asking for help from other men? So I've got a, a dude in my life, his name's Zach. He, he's a Mr. Fix-It. He knows how to fix things. At some point in my life, with, with my first son, James, and, and baby Elijah that's coming uh, here in a few months, I mean, Lord willing, the thing that'll be so cool is daddy's going to have something in the house that is broken that he doesn't know how to fix. And daddy's going to call Zach, and Zach's going to come over, and Zach's going to help teach daddy how to fix the thing. And so baby James, or baby Elijah, will see that and see that, you know, my daddy's still awesome. My daddy's still really smart. My daddy's really tough. My dad's really all these things. But you know what? He found a moment where he, he, you know, I guess was an idiot. He didn't know how to fix the thing. So he brought someone in that could help him fix the thing. Or they're going to see daddy figure out a way to fix the thing. Watching YouTube videos or maybe calling dad on the phone saying, hey, I got this problem. I was thinking about doing this, blah, blah, blah. And taking instruction from other people, whether digitally or over the phone or otherwise, right? But for so many guys, we pretend. We pretend we know about the car. We pretend we know about the firearm. We pretend we know about the history, whatever the situation is. Just stop it. It's lying. It's a form of lying. Relish the opportunity to get better for somebody else to help you get better. So in 2022, relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. All right, guys, the next one here, and this one's really important. Read the Bible for yourself. I think it was back in 2020. I think I said, you know, read the Bible. That was like the main crescendo point. But read the Bible for yourself. So one thing that I noticed about me is I was allowing other people to read the Bible for me, whether that be pastors that I follow on Instagram or, you know, pastors that I listen to on podcasts or my pastor at my church that I go to, they're reading the Bible for me and then telling me what I should get out of it. But I wasn't reading it for myself. So that's a change that I've made here even recently. So for a lot of you guys, that's my encouragement to you. You want to be more biblically sound. You want to make better biblical arguments. You want to know more uh, about the things of God. You want to know more. Uh, you, you want to be closer and, and have a, a better relationship with God, with the triune God of the universe, all those things. The best way to do that is probably through Bible reading. You can make an argument for prayer as well. But I'm focusing on reading the Bible for yourself. Now, that's more difficult, right? So I've got here next to me, I've got a study Bible, okay? So for a lot of you guys, uh, some of you guys have this, but it's the English Standard Version Study Bible. And so there's the scripture in here, which is obviously the main part. But then at the bottoms, there is the commentary. So you can literally read through. I literally just opened it uh, up to Job 21. You can read through Job uh, 21, and then you can look at how it's breaking down particular parts of scripture. Some people don't like doing commentaries because they're like, that's not the word of God. But if you read something and you don't understand it, you need help. It goes back to the thing before, you know, you're an idiot on this thing and you need to not be an idiot. So relish in the opportunity to learn for someone to be able to help you, right? And so when you read the Bible for yourself, it becomes much more of a task-oriented thing, but that's a positive. So if you're just burning through the Bible and you're like, ah, I'm just kind of reading it, you know, brain dead, you, that doesn't lead to self-study. But if you're reading the Bible in something like a study Bible, or you have some sort of a commentary next to you, or you're going through some sort of devotional that's pulling certain things out of the scripture that you maybe otherwise would not have noticed, that's a positive thing for you. But that's not something you're going to get if you let someone else do that for you. Like, it's kind of one of those things, you want to be in shape, you can't get your buddy to work out for you, right? If your buddy runs 10 miles a day, that doesn't help your cardio. The same is true is if somebody else reads the Bible 
and tries to impart that wisdom on you, it's not going to be the same. It's positive. You can learn things from other people, as I've said, you know, multiple times on this podcast, but you need to do the work yourself. If you want to be more adept and more mature in your biblical understanding of things, whether it's just the stories or the theological underpinnings, you have to do it yourself. So guys, in 2022, read the Bible for yourself. All right, guys, just a few more left here. Next one, figure out what's going on locally. So as a lot of you guys noticed in 2021 and back to even 2020 with COVID lockdowns and all these different measures, you had no idea what was going on in your local communities. No clue. You didn't know who the mayor was. You didn't know who was on the school board. You didn't know that the sheriff, uh, you know, was a bad guy. You didn't know any of these things because you were either completely disengaged or you were engaged in federal politics that don't directly affect you nearly as much as local politics, right? We've all bought into the lie that politics is not local anymore, that it's the guy that or gal that we want in the White House. That is the be all end all. Okay. That is what we need to focus on. That is how we're going to get to where we need to get to. That is how we're going to be able to develop and how we're going to be able to improve our lives is getting that person we want in the White House in the White House. But we don't focus on what's going on around us because whether Trump was in the White House or Biden or somebody else, if you live in a community that saw your business as non-essential and that it needed to be shut down or that we're going to affect your business by not allowing people to come in unless they wear a mask or whatever the situation is. COVID's kind of the easy example here. That affects you directly, brother. That affects your business. It affects your bottom line. It affects your net worth. So you need to know what's going on around you. Same thing with school boards. You have these people that all of a sudden they're, they're you know, uh, looking at Zoom school and they're overhearing some of the things that these teachers, these state employees are teaching their children, not really teaching them, indoctrinating them into, whether it be the array of LGBTQ issues or talking to them about race or talking to them about sexuality, or talking about, uh, about all these things that aren't math, science, you know, English. And they had no idea. And then whenever they, you know, pull back, pull the thread a little bit, it's like, oh, this is coming top down from the school board. Oh, and from this school board, they're a part of this national school board that is saying all this information needs to go through all their different subsequent school boards. They had no idea. They had no idea. They were worried about Trump's Twitter. They were worried about Joe Biden pooping his pants. They weren't worried about what was happening in their own kids' schools. And I did a bunch of episodes last year, guys, a bunch of episodes on this exact subject about how if you want to make change in your local school board, as a, for instance, you better come ready to go. You, you better come strapped and ready. And I don't mean that literally, guys. I'm not calling for violence. I'm saying like from an emotional and mental standpoint, you need to be equipped. That's why we at Undaunted Life, we equip men to push back darkness by giving you information, giving you the courage, whatever those things are that you need in that situation. But if you don't know what's going, out in your, what's going on in your local community, you're not going to be very good in the fight. You're not going to be very effective, right? Because unless these people resign, let's use the school board example again, unless these people resign outside of term, you're going to have to wait until the next term to try to get somebody in there that is ideologically better for what you want for that community and for that situation. Are you prepared to do that? Do you even know the name of your mayor? Do you know when they were elected? Do you know when the next mayoral race will be going on? Do you know any of those things? All those things are important. So guys, in 2022, Focus on and figure out what's going on locally. Don't worry about national, internationally nearly as much. All right, guys, the next one here, the next way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022 is to learn to fight. Learn to fight. And this is where I'm being literal. I don't mean learn to fight and learn to fight back and learn to blah, blah, blah. And like all these things people do to like gin themselves up. I mean, physically, learn how to use your body to do physical damage to another human being. Learn to fight. I have so many guys, especially in Christian circles, that are at least pacifists in ideology. They think if they have to put hands on somebody, that that's somehow wrong, even sinful, that they would need to do that. But the scenario, let's, let's use an extreme scenario. You're walking on a street in a downtown area. You look down an alleyway and you see a woman being sexually assaulted, raped. It would be sinful of you to not intercede in that moment, physically. Just a couple of months ago, I did an episode on the modern bystander effect, where we see these people that are watching people being beaten on subway cars, not doing anything. Men, not doing anything. Where women are being violently raped on a train car, 
and people are just standing around, some of them pulling out their phones and filming, right? There's been some people that are like, oh, that didn't actually happen. It happened, right? These people did not intercede when a violent rape was going on in Philadelphia for, I think it was 20-something train stops. Think about how long a time that is. Nobody physically interceded. For the most part, a lot of men are not physically interceding because they don't know how to fight. So they don't have the confidence in those situations. Some guys are born with it. I talked about people that are born with certain things. Some guys are just, they, they, from the moment they come out, they know how to throw hands, right? They, they know how to be physically violent. They know how to point their head in a certain direction of danger and sprint in that direction until the dust settles, right? That's just who they are. Most people aren't that way. I'm not that way. I wasn't born that way. But I will tell you, training jujitsu for four and a half years now, right? Working on five years of training jujitsu, working on training Muay Thai and training, you know, kickboxing and all those different things. I am much more comfortable if a fight were, were to happen than I would have been beforehand. Because I've always been, a, you know, a decent athlete. I've been a decently big guy. I'm a decently strong guy. But that doesn't really come into effect when someone else knows how to fight and you don't. You know, I was talking to someone before, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast. You know, this buddy asked me, he's like, hey, who would win in a fight between Nate Diaz and The Rock? So Nate Diaz at the time was fighting at 155 pounds. The Rock is 300 pounds of steroided monster goo. goo. And like, you know, I said, oh, Nate Diaz wins that 100 times out of 100. They're like, no way. The Rock's so big and he's so whatever and he's so strong. I was like, yeah, but The Rock doesn't know how to fight. He spent 20 years of his life fake fighting on television, right? I'm sure that's of some value, but Nate Diaz knows how to be martial. He knows how to actually hurt somebody, to bring physical pain to them, to end a fight, whether through punching somebody or through choking them out, right? But for a lot of you guys, you're needing that last little nudge. And this is it. There's a jujitsu gym near your house. Join it. We can worry about, you know, their affiliations and who their black belt is and, you know, how they learned all these things and all that. We can, we can deal with that later. You need to start training. There's a boxing gym in your area. Start training. You know, you're, you're getting online to BJJ Fanatics and you're buying the John Donaher videos and you're training at home with a dummy or with a neighbor. Train. Learn to fight. This is not something that is outside of the realm of Christianity because, again, we have so many examples from Scripture of men that are pushing back darkness with their bodies, physically, by doing harm to others, right? Because when there's darkness happening in your world and you don't know how to respond, and I guess this, this could extend to concealed carry and, you know, learning how to knife fight and all those different things, but in situations where darkness is being done, there needs to be a sheepdog that can respond. And if you are untrained, you will not respond well. You will fall to the level of your training, right? So maybe you're a concealed carry guy that's never shot his firearm. You've never gone to the range. You've never worked pulling it from the holster and uh, acquiring a target and engaging that target. You've never worried about trigger discipline. You don't even know what that is, right? That's a problem. You think you're going to be able to respond. You'll think you'll rise to the occasion. Big athletic guys always think that. It's like, oh man, I don't need to learn how to fight. I'm enormous. Look how big I am. Look how tough I am, right? You will fall to the level of your training. So in 2022, again, don't do something stupid. Don't, you know, go to an Aikido gym or, or karate or, you know, Wing Chun or any of this bull crap that doesn't actually work. Jiu-jitsu, wrestling, Western boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. In 2022, learn to fight. All right, guys, the last one I've got for you, the last way to avoid being a crappy man in 2022, this is not an exhaustive list, but I think I've given you enough to really, you know, chew on and kind of look at. The last thing I would say to you is be dependable. And I guess you could even say be reliable, but I'm just going to say be dependable. There are so many people in your life, and I'll focus mainly on the men, right? There are so many men in your life that are just flat out not dependable. And this goes back to my How to Build a Godly and Manly Foxhole series that we released last summer. You don't have a 3 a.m. person in your life because you're surrounded by men that aren't dependable. Now, that's kind of a, a, a big time scenario that I talked about, you know, three o'clock in the morning, your world's completely falling apart or you got a body that needs to be buried and you, you call a bunch of people and nobody answers their phone. There's nobody there for you. There are a bunch of 6 p.m. friends. They're not 3 a.m. friends, right? But part of that is because those people individually are not dependable. So that's kind of a big macro example. Let's kind of bring it into smaller examples, right? Somebody asks you to be somewhere at a certain time and you don't show up on time. You're late. Someone asks you to help them with a project, right? And you have to get your part done before they can do their part and you don't do your part. So they can't do their part. Someone 
ask you, brother, I need, I need you to pray for me, right? I, I really need your help. I really need you to intercede for me. We've got some crap going on. And you don't do it. You're not a dependable person. Now, I would say a lot of dudes have grace in relationships. They will allow people to not be dependable for significant lengths of time, right? It's just something that they're, you know, ah, you know, that's just how they are. That's just how Tom is. Ah, you know, Tom, he just never getting things done and never doing the things that he needs to do at the time he needs to do them, right? And they just kind of let it go. But the thing is, is that person categorically now is not dependable. That's a person that when things are going right or things are going wrong in your life, you can't look to them as somebody that you could get help from or even help because they just aren't dependable. They're not a reliable source of anything in their life. So you can't focus on them necessarily because you can't change them. That's not something you can control. And as you know, one of my good buddies and uh, you know, legendary wrestling coach here in this area, Hardo Moore says all the time, control the controllables, control the controllables. You can't control how much the other kid you're competing against trained. You can control how much you trained. You can't control their level of preparation. You can control your level of preparation. Okay? So for a lot of guys, work on being dependable yourself. Let's say you were the guy that was always late. Fix that. Let's say you're the guy that never really follows through. Right? Oh, you're the guy that gets a lot of things started but never follows through. That means you're not dependable, brother. And you need to fix that. Because what all these things come down to, and I guess I wasn't really intending to go this way, but it's just, I'm kind of feeling it, feeling the mojo right now. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times for guys, God's going to call you to something and he's not going to give you time to prepare or to train. He's calling you and he's calling you now. Probably one of the best examples that come to mind is Nehemiah. When you read the first four chapters of Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah goes in front of the king and he asks, you know, to go back to, uh, you know, Israel and, you know, rebuild the, the walls and you know, do this whole thing. And, you know, there's, there's a whole lot to that story uh, and a whole lot of great parts of that story. But the thing was, is when he finally revealed why he was in town, right. And it was to rebuild the walls and to, to fix the thing and to give the people basically their, their courage back and their, their fortitude back and all that. He didn't say, okay, guys, we're going to rebuild the walls, right? We're going to rebuild the city gates, but we're going to take 60 days we're going to go through some training. All right. We're, we're going to get our, we're going to get our uh, cardio up because this is going to be really, really hard work. And also there's going to be people that are going to be trying to, to tear the wall down and trying to stop what we're doing. So we're going to have, you know, a, a hammer in one hand, but we're going to have to have our sword in the other. So we're going to have to train, you know, uh, to get that in shape so that you can, you can work in both ways. And, you know, we got some people working over here, but no, it's like, all right, guys, this is what we're doing. Work starts now. There's no time to prepare. There's no time for training. The time is now. God called him to do something. He was already capable of doing that because he was prepared. These people that were working on the walls, right? You know, in the book of Nehemiah, you know, which is a historical thing that actually happened. These people didn't stop what they were doing in their normal lives to go train to get ready. So a lot of people will kind of push back on the fact that I focus so much on physicality and physical resilience and all those things. And they're like, oh, so you can't be a good Christian unless you have a six pack. Oh, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere, dude. That's not it. What if God is requiring something of you for the betterment of his kingdom that requires you to be physically in shape and you're not in shape? That's sinful. God's calling you to do something in obedience to him and you don't do it because you can't, right? And think of, I don't care what the scenario is. It's like, oh, maybe he needs you to go to, to this village area, you know, in Africa, like, and you, you know, you have to walk five miles a day just to get where you need to go. And you've, you haven't taken care of yourself for the last 30 years. And so five miles of walking is a death sentence. So you can't go on the trip. How is that beneficial? God's putting something on your heart to, to start a business that's going to help, you know, fix some you know, broken things in your community, but you're not a dependable guy. You're not a reliable guy, right? You, you've never relished the opportunity to look like an idiot so that you can learn, right? You, you don't get sleep, right? You, you seek, you know, narrative over truth. Like you can't persuade any, anyone to do anything. You have probably said already, but you're, you're late all the time, right? You're too busy looking at porn and jerking off. And now you can't do the thing that God's requiring of you. You can't be obedient. Okay. So guys, I know this is a little bit of a, you know, a hard thing for some of you to hear because I'm sure as I went through this list of however many, 14 or 15 of these, you saw something that was glaring in you that you were missing. And maybe you're offended by that. Maybe you didn't like the way that I described it. Maybe you're like, oh, that's really cocky of you to say these things. Guys, I have to work on these things as well. 
I'm not just making a, here's a list of the 15 things Kyle's really good at, right? That's, that's not the list. These are ways to avoid being a crappy man. And I don't hear any good arguments. And I didn't for the other two episodes that I did where it's like, oh, these aren't the right things. You know, there might be some things that you would have added to the list or things that you would have taken off. But the idea is to use this as an actionable list as you move forward into 2022 on ways that you can be better overall. You will appreciate the people around you will appreciate it. And it's what God requires of you. All right, guys, before we go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here are the links I've got for you today. I've already mentioned the Undaunted Life devotionals and the 100 books every modern Christian man should read list. I've got the links here, but I've also got links to episode 56 and episode 112, where I went into other ways to avoid being a crappy man, and that would have been back in 2019 and 2020. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I certainly appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a five-star positive review. If you want to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. You can also check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>